Gunfire Lullaby Number 1, Six Bullet Russian Roulette. Page 1, Panel 1. The panel is a full-page panel. The entire page is black. There's a caption in the lower right corner. Caption box. So this is what it's like to be dead, huh? Page 2, Panel 1. The panel is a medium close-up of John Slay, sitting in bed. He's been shocked awake. John is in his late 30s, athletic build, clean-shaven, with messy brown hair and brown sunken eyes. His arms are rigid. His eyes are wide and afraid. John Slay. Gasp, gasp, cough. Panel 2. The panel shows a doctor and a nurse from John's POV. They are all in a sterile hospital room. The light source is from a pale white fluorescent light from directly overhead. The doctor, a middle-aged balding man with glasses, wearing the usual medical togs, is holding the metal clipboard and looking pleased with himself, as any doctor will when finding a patient is not dead. The nurse at his side is young, blonde, and cute. She stands with her hands behind her back, but hips tilted towards John. She should exude an attraction towards John. Doctor. Slay? John Slay? Doctor. Welcome back to the land of the living. We were afraid you weren't going to make it. Out from the download stage. John. Where the hell am I? Page 3. Panel 1. This panel is from John's point of view again. We're looking at the doctor, his arms outstretched. There's a soft flickering of blue light of the banks of monitors behind him. The glare from his glasses makes him look soulless. A huge smile on his face adds to that look. Doctor, welcome to Command Central. Panel 2. In the panel, we can see the silhouette of the doctor's left hand against the light coming off the banks of computers in the background on the left. Countless technicians in white coats are maintaining banks of computer consoles with their backs to us. John, command what? Wait. Sound effects. Beep, 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 beep. Panel 3. This panel is a medium white shot of John sitting up in bed, holding his face in his hands. He's bathed in the blue glow of the room. John, oh my god, I made it. I really made it here. Page 4, panel 1. In the panel, we see John the doctor walking down a hallway from the left side of the page. John is slightly hunched over. He's wearing a lab coat, black pants, and no shoes. Doctor, so John, tell me what the download process is like. So many patients don't survive. Panel 2. The panel is a close-up of John in the foreground and the doctor in the background. The doctor is looking intently at John. The glare from his glasses still isn't revealing his eyes. John is looking blankly forward. The light source is from soft white fluorescent lights mounted on the wall behind them. John, when they administer the drugs, you can feel yourself start to go under. It's like an out-of-body experience. John, then, just as you get used to the silence and being numb, thousands of hot needles stab themselves into your brain and behind your eyes. It was a lot like my first marriage. John, then you wake up naked to a fucking doctor asking you what going under felt like. Panel 3. The panel is the same shot as panel 1, except the pair is more in the middle of the page. Doctor. Huh. Panel 4. The panel is the same as panel 1, except the pair has made it to the right of the panel. John. You got a cigarette, Doc? Doctor. Nope, sorry. I don't smoke. John. Figures. That was Gunfire Lullaby, Issue 1. I'm Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. This episode is about writing scripts, how to do it, uh, working with other creatives such as an artist. Gunfire Lullaby was the, I think, first comic I ever wrote. Uh, never saw print, but um, it did give me the learning experience of writing in script format, which you can hear me kind of do page one, panel one, page two, panel three, so forth, so on. Um, you can use Final Draft. I've used that for um, screenplays. 
but I find that Microsoft Word works just fine in terms of writing in script format. I do not write in full script, which is a lot more descriptive. You may want to look up um, some good script examples. Might be uh, Grant Morrison uh, in terms of comics. Uh, he also sketches what the panel uh, would look like in his head uh, next to the, the descriptions. Uh, Warren Ellis is a good one. Shane Black for screenplays is great. Uh, he's known for Shane Black-isms where he has little asides um, the same way I did on page two where it says, you know, the doctor's happy because the patient isn't dead. So stuff like that. I'm trying to think who else. Warren, uh, not Warren Ellis. Um, Alan Moore is known for writing in full script. Actually, he writes like very prosy scripts where he just describes what's going on and leaves it up to the artist to do panels. Now, that's one thing um, I do want to talk about, working hand in glove, thus the name of this episode. You heard that I had some um, camera direction, certain camera angles, uh, medium shot, close-ups, so forth, so on. Um, the progression of time as they walk across the hallway on uh, that last bit, was, which was page five, I think. Uh, no, I'm sorry, page four. Sometimes I trust the artist, sometimes I don't, um, and it's not... Trust isn't the right word. It's that I have a very specific thing in mind that I need it to get across for a certain reason, whether it be foreshadowing or a certain mood I want to purvey. As I wrote for other artists, I did work less hand-in-glove and just kind of went, here, here's what I want out of the scene. This guy's doing this thing and set it up however you'd like. Uh, visually, it doesn't really matter. Just knock yourself out. Have a lot of fun with it. Sometimes I am very specific because... I want to be, or need to be. Um, this also works when you're writing in, in screenplays. I mean, is it up to you, the director, or the cinematographer in terms of shot, you know, shot directions? Sometimes I've written a screenplay and given it to very, very short screenplay. Uh, it was for a short film, and uh, gave it to the a friend of mine who uh, was a director, and you know, he said, I think. This should be shot in a different way. Um, what do you think? And I was like, you're you're the guy. You know, I just wrote the thing. I wrote it in my head. I think when you write in scripts, I think you're playing multiple parts. You're playing director, cinematographer, writer, set design, lighting. Um, you heard me mention a lot the kind of lights, you know, the computer banks or the fluorescence, where the fluorescence were in terms of lighting. And that's something where an artist or another creative type, but when I say artist, I do mean someone like a director, cinematographer, I just, artist, I'll just do artist as, you know, kind of a catch-all term. I'll, you know, I'll allow them their creativity. Why shouldn't I? I think a few books to read. Um, actually, the one I'd really recommend, um, actually the two I'd recommend. Uh, one is Writing the Marvel Way, which I think I want to say was written by Stanley, I, but I'm not sure. It might have been Roy Thomas. Um, and I could be wrong in that as well. Um, but that shows like two different ways of writing, which was the Marvel way, which is like really quick, very descriptive, but like no panel breakdowns, as well as full script, as well as you want to read um, a story by Robert McKee, which is pretty much the industry standard book for screenwriting. Um, he takes you through a couple uh, examples uh, throughout the whole book of uh, movies and what everything means in a movie in terms of foreshadowing conflict. Um, I really, I didn't really think about conflict that much in my really early writing career until I read a story by Robert McKee, and he basically described conflict as the character not doing what's in their best interest or acting out of character or not doing what they should do. Because you, you know, you watch 
perfect example is in horror movies. Well, obviously, if someone wrote, you know, a ghost wrote get out in blood on the walls, the person would get out. That's what happens in the real world. But to create conflict, the person with, with the haunted house stays there. And then their child's abducted through a TV or some bullshit. Um, that's conflict. It's the character moving against himself or herself. Um, and I believe the examples in, in story are Casablanca, Kramer vs. Kramer, and Chinatown. Uh, of course, Chinatown being one of my favorite movies. I'm a huge Roman Polanski fan. But great examples of, of conflict and foreshadowing and how to write a script and how to edit, how far to go in terms of, like I said, being the director, cinematographer, being a whole film crew in your head when you write a script. Also, it's important if you're doing comic scripts uh, to remember, you know, if things are coming from, well, uh, in film as well, coming, voices coming from off screen, sound effects, vocal effects, such as um, in this panel one on page two, you know, John Slay goes gasp, gasp, cough, uh, cough spelled K-A-F-F -F, to give a visual impression of that's a harder cough. The sound effects, of course, beep, 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 but that doesn't really come across in an audio way, uh, that was more of a visual so that you get a sense of, you know, what John is hearing and what's going on in the background with all the computers. Um, and of course, you know, just thinking about uh, dialogue as well. You have, you know, Slay, John Slay. Well, you just introduced your character uh, right off the bat. You know, most don't survive the download stage. Well, now you've got the hero who came back from something that no one else has or rarely does right off the bat. You have those... You know, the beginning of every adventure story is like the cave of death. You know, no one's survived it, but now you're going to meet Indiana Jones or whatever. It's like the man who survived the cave of death. So you've already set up your kind of impossible quest um, for, for your hero really early on. And I haven't even gotten to the plot of Gunfire Lullaby where it's, it's just a murder mystery. But, you know, you already know that there's something special about John Slay. You set up that, you know... He's obviously pissed. He's, he's relieved that he's woken up, but he's, you know, pissed that this doctor's in his face. You know, he just wants to be left alone. You get the sense. You also get the sense he's hard-boiled when he says, you know, I have a cigarette. And the doctor says no, and he goes, of course, like figures. Um, you know, I, I survive all this, and I can't have a vice. I can't have the, a simple pleasure. kind of sets up the character as well as the dialogue. You have to think comfortably you can fit, I believe it's 28 words on a comic panel without it becoming overblown. Now, can you mess with that? Yes. Can you bend the rule? Yes. Can you break it? Absolutely. Uh, Morrison did in an issue of Batman where there was a lot of text on the side of panels. Brian Michael Bendis being a very prolific comic book writer and a huge David uh, Mamet fan in terms of naturalistic dialogue is, is a very verbose and, and wordy writer. His characters have a very natural uh, speaking tone and tend to talk over each other and um, talk a lot. And, you know, the joke is that he was paid by the word. Um, so if you read, like, um, I'm trying to think of one that he has a lot. Um, probably the maybe the first two trade paperbacks of Ultimate Spider-Man, really good example, as well as probably maybe the first or second book of Powers Under Image comics would be a really good example if you want to look at that um, and how he and the artist... Michael Avon Oming kind of worked some of the art around the words and some of the words around the art to give uh, breathing room for both. So those are the things you're going to want to think of when writing in script. Dialogue, how natural is it? What are they saying? Is it stilted? When you're writing dialogue line by line, it 
may not sound naturalistic, it's always a good thing to take a step back and just kind of read, you know, the the conversation out loud or have someone read it with you. You know, when John says, when they administer drugs, you can feel yourself uh, start to go under. It's like an out-of-body experience. Then, just as you get used to the silence and being numb, thousands of hot needles stab themselves into your brain and behind your eyes. It was a lot like my first marriage. You know, there's obviously a pause in there, and maybe I could probably shorten that up a bit so he doesn't speak it in a complete paragraph. Other than that, I mean, I really haven't gone back and, and looked this since I wrote it years and years and years ago. Once again, like, that's things you want to look at when you're writing uh, a script and you're writing for maybe another creative type, an artist. You know, it's always good to go back and reread and, like I said, have other people read it. You can always do sample pages and give them to uh, friends or another creative type that you may be working with, such as a director or a cinematographer or, or whomever, an artist, um, and go, is this something we can do or do you want me to do it slightly differently that I'm comfortable with as well? I mean, it's a collaboration and it should always be, you know, um, unacrimonious, uh, hopefully. Though sometimes acrimony does breed creativity. Uh, I have found with several times I've worked with other people that I just couldn't stand, but man, we made magic. So that's all I have for uh, writing scripts with Mr. Wright. I'm Doug, and remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like D20 Proof, Knapsack Comedy, and Mr. Wright. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.